Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. So, are these your notes? These, <laughs> these are your notes about what we're going to say. What does I it say? it would be a good... <laughs> I didn't even get to idea. Okay. Maybe I can just ask you the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> going well. It's going really well. (laughs) Hello and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Emma and today we are speaking to British crime author and debut novelist of Sleeping Dogs, Wendy Turbin. Hi Wendy, how are you doing? Hi Emma, hi Jamie, how are you? We're very well thank you. Excited to talk about your debut novel, Sleeping Dogs, out now, a crime thriller about an investigator that can see ghosts. Yes, indeed. How long, so how long have you been planning this and the character of Penny Wiseman, the investigator? Uh, Well, the the character of Penny Wiseman was sort of born uh, about three years ago. Oh, might be near a four now. Um, when I was uh, on a plane going somewhere and I was scribbling, my all my electronics had died and I was scribbling on a piece of paper and she sort of came out of an idea. But she didn't see ghosts then, so she was just a private okay. investigator. Okay. Um, and then as I began to work with her, as it were, um, and started uh, turning her into a novel, um, then she suddenly came up with this ability to uh, see the dead Mm. which is a bit of a blessing and a bit of a drawback really Um, so I kind of thought this is weird and is this actually going to be of interest but it interested me so I thought I'll I'll keep going Um, and I did uh, I don't know if you're aware but I did a a master's in crime fiction writing at the University of East Anglia Mm -hmm. and I went along with this, uh, with this, with an idea for a novel, um, a different idea, completely different idea. Um, and in the first workings of that, uh, a ghost kept walking through my scene, which was sort of annoying. And Goodness, I couldn't. That's irritating. I, it, you're trying really to write. How you're trying to write. It's <laughs> it's crazy. You're trying to write something really sensible, really in the now. You know, absolutely. You know, what clear what you want to do. And this ghost just drifts through and creates havoc and I thought well obviously it's not going away I am the haunted one basically (laughs) so I thought right I'm giving in I'm going to go with the ghost so uh, Penny and the ghost um, sort of married together and I started working with that and uh, there there were sort of drawbacks and I was sort of told this might not be a big seller because people will be put off by a ghost but I I would like to point out it's not terribly spooky Um, and she doesn't see millions of ghosts she sees a usually specific ghost for a specific reason and it's a ghost who pretty much wants to hire her services uh so it's quite fun for not for her obviously but it's kind of fun (laughs) for us (laughs) for us to look at uh, because she is kind of compelled to solve the ghost mystery at the same time as she's trying to cope with all these other cases and and lots of other things going on and and then they sort of tend to marry together as it as it goes on 
Um, so it wouldn't leave me alone. Uh, so I didn't really have much choice. I just had to write, <laughs> write it this way. Yeah. So based off that, am I right in thinking that of the the two kind of broad disciplines of writing a book is is plotting or just kind of discovering it as it goes you're very much in that discovery side of things oh plotting now that's an idea (laughs) (laughs) i i have tried throughout my entire uh, adult life to plan out a novel and i've never succeeded yet i i wish i could uh, I admire those who do because it really is a very clear way of, of looking at things and you probably don't waste as much time down blind alleys as I do. <laughs> but in the process of discovery, um, I find much better ideas than I started off with. Yeah. And the characters tell me their story. So if I had started out by saying I was going to write Sleeping Dogs and planned all the things that happen in it, I I think I I couldn't have done that, uh, and a bit of me would have been going, oh, this is this is you know absurd. You can't have you can't have this happening. Mm. Uh, but actually, when it comes organically out of the characters and the situation they're in, it does work. It it flows, and it also yeah. surprises me. And if it surprises me, I think it surprises the reader as well. That <laughs> some of the some of the uh, the reviews I've had for the novel have expressed surprise that it it follows um, a, a path they weren't expecting. Um, there's always something mm-hmm. you know sort of different around every corner, uh, and I love that. I love that when I'm reading other people's work, and and I love it myself. So it, it was very much a voyage of discovery. And plotting is great, but I have to do it. Um, retroactively so once, <laughs> once I've, once I've I don't written know if that's it, how it works <laughs> well, well does, does it still count as a plot if you kind of look at what you've written and then write down the plot from that I, I, yeah. I have to tidy it up a lot obviously uh, yeah. so that's where the plotting comes in because it yeah. is a bit of a puzzle you know it's put together uh, like a puzzle so I have to make sure all of those jagged edges do fit neatly together and that's where the plotting comes in but I leave that until I've got a first draft uh, because I can't predict where it might go next. Yeah. And isn't that the fun That's of exciting. life? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It makes a lot of sense as well. But I mean, circling a little bit back, um, can when you first began writing and your writing journey, was was there anything in particular that drew you um in to choose the genre that you're you're writing at the moment? Uh well, yes. Um I mean, certainly crime. Crime has always been one of my loves. I mean, I'm a great Agatha Christie fan. Um, I'm, I'm a great Val McDermott fan. Um, I have read, you know, crime writing of all types since I was very young. So this is great. Um, and I've also had that slightly kind of mad supernatural thing as well and a bit of sci-fi chucked in there. Uh, so that's kind of where my head generally is, is in killing people. Um, you know, that's just, that's just what I do. That's what a can worrying I say? thing to say out loud. I know. <laughs> oh, I forgot this was being recorded. They can get me for this, can't I? <laughs> um, we, we do have some uh, some dreadful things where uh, people, you know, ask you what you're doing and say, "Oh, I've, I've just been murdering somebody in the kitchen." And they look very worried. So you do have to explain, so uh, so I don't end up in uh, in in custody somewhere trying to explain myself. Yeah, disclaimer. <laughs> Wendy has yeah. not killed anyone. Yeah, that we not know actually. <laughs> that uh, Ke- 
Can I just say the Jamie the that we know of was also <laughs> rather worrying. <laughs> Thank you for that. Allegedly, not killed anyone. Allegedly. Not that I'm admitting on on a broadcast. <laughs> um, as well, uh, how did you? How did your writing journey begin? It's oh, you've obviously done short stories and written for a long time as well. Um, where did that all start off for you? And and was there a, like a first story when you when you were younger that you wrote or anything like that? I've always wanted to write. I mean, when I was a child, I pestered my parents for um, for for uh, a typewriter, oh. which um, as I was. You know, I'm of a particular vintage now. Um, and at that point, it, the, the toy of choice was a little uh, petite toy typewriter. Aww. And I was desperate for one of these. And we, and we didn't have a lot of money in our family. And they were quite expensive at the time. And they came in a little neat case. And oh, they just, oh, they were lovely. Um, and to be honest, I think my parents couldn't really afford one. But my father particularly was always of the opinion, you shouldn't give a child a toy if you could give them a real thing um good job i wasn't interested in guns probably uh, but what <laughs> sorry sorry dad <laughs> so yeah back to murder uh, so what they did and i don't know how long it took them to source it but it must have been ages they bought me an absolutely beautiful underwood typewriter which was a real typewriter heavy duty uh i won't say childproof because i did manage to destroy it over many years <laughs> Thumping at the keys like like hammers, they were they went down. Um, but that that was fabulous because it wasn't a toy. It was a, it was like being a real writer. Um, and I think at that point I knew that one day I would be telling stories to the world. Um, at that point, um, my stories were were very much geared around the TV programs I was watching and whatever I was reading at the time. So I mm -hmm. suspect Enid Blyton had quite a bit of um, influence, mm -hmm. uh, which probably explains the investigation side. Yes. Um, and a few programs like Star Trek, which was very new at the time, oh, the original really? one, mm -hmm. and I loved it. Uh, Doctor Who, of course, um, and that kind of thing. So they all kind of blended together into this mad world that I bored everybody to death with. Um, <laughs> I don't think I think they were very good. None of them have survived, for which I am rather grateful i think oh. but i spent a lot of my teenage uh, my young and, and my teenage years hammering out these stories um but 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 there was a good good learning learning base i think but not not for public consumption yeah. we've had other authors on talking about how their first kind of foray into writing was fan fiction which is yeah. what it sounds like you were doing as well absolutely yeah yeah really yeah. i mean it, it's i think it's where so many people start off because you yeah. you, you copy what you love um yeah. in life and and that's what i was doing but as i say i wasn't terribly good at it i do remember that um i did do several episodes of star trek and in every single one i killed off captain kirk <laughs> um, I Not have William since, Shatner. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. I, I'm I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I did love him to pieces. I have to say, but to pieces was kind of literal. So he was always getting killed. But then, because I even then I had an idea, you shouldn't really kill off the hero because that makes life very difficult for the next episode. That's so then, yeah, then I had to, <laughs> I had to find a way of resurrecting him every time. So, oh. so he went through lots of different transformations. That so might have been the challenges for yourself, Wendy, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. I think it might have been the Doctor Who influence. <laughs> that oh, you yeah, could change yeah, it to yeah. someone else. That's um, an easy hero to just keep killing. Isn't it? <laughs> it's all the advantages with that. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, 
I just imitated, you know, the things I loved. Um, and gradually, I think um, I got better. But certainly not until much, much later on did I start to learn really the craft of writing, which you you do need unless you are immensely talented and can do it just as a, a natural flow. Um, you do need to learn the techniques. Um, yeah. And yeah. and it's you know, it takes a lot, lot of doing like anything worth doing. It takes a lot of learning. Mm. Um, sure. And that didn't come till much, much later. So I'm glad nothing much has survived. <laughs> when did when did you first um sort of approach writing a novel that you thought you might put out to publishers like when did you first submit or put out your work the first time i sent a complete novel was about 20 years ago uh and i i was i don't know if i was lucky or unlucky it depends on the glass half full, I think. Um, I, I sent it to uh, publishers then, even the big publishers, uh, were you didn't have to go through an agent. You could go directly. Yeah. And I sent it to um, Transworld Publishing, you know, just one of the little guys out there at the time. <laughs> and they liked it. And I was over the moon. Um, and they, uh, they put me with an editor. Um, unfortunately... It didn't go anywhere because the editor was was um, really helpful and tried really hard. Uh, but I was working full time and life always gets in the way. So there was time mm. constraints. Um, and that really wasn't too much of an excuse. But the big issue for me was that I didn't really have the tools of the trade at that point. Mm. So they would say, you know, the editor would say to me, we need this chapter to be tightened up. <laughs> and I would think, okay. great good yes <laughs> and then i it, i would get some explanation of how to do that but it it didn't it didn't gel with me um so i i think i would had a tendency to um not really make it any better despite my my um my endeavors uh mm. and at that point i thought i don't think i can do this uh, mm. without studying and mm. and really looking at the mechanics uh, that you need to underpin the machinery of a no of a novel. It 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 needs a a huge amount of in infrastructure under there, and I didn't understand how that worked. So it was a bit like trying to build a roller coaster without knowing anything about gravitational pull. Um, <laughs> not not a recipe for happiness that one. No. Uh, so uh, we we agreed uh, in the end that actually you know now was not my time. And I backed away. And I was I won't pretend that I wasn't bruised and battered by the encounter. I was gonna say um, it must have been a hard decision. It was. It was. It was my it was my life's dream. Uh yeah. and it did feel absolutely crushing. Yeah. But I think that they were right to you know, to suggest that actually this wasn't gonna make the cut the final cut. Um and I think in retrospect it was a really good thing that happened because it made me understand that I needed to go and do my um, my apprenticeship, if you like. I needed to go yeah. and, and you know, actually diligence. put the work in, yeah. my due diligence, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, it's lovely to have a dream. You're going to write a novel and people are like it, you hope, and they'll read it, you hope. And, you know, who knows? It might be a movie and you might get rich and this is lovely. And, <laughs> you know, but, but, this, but this is the winning the lottery dream. This is yeah. not what happens in reality. Um, mm. So it, it was it was an understanding that I really needed. If I was serious, I really, really needed to put some work into this. <laughs> And um, and and just go forward, uh, you know, exploring 
how to do it rather than, oh, I want to write a story. Uh, because it's the difference, I think, between writing for yourself and, and writing uh, to be read. Because mm-hmm. if your purpose is to entertain an audience, you have to understand what makes it entertaining, not just recognize it when you see it. And it's a difference between being a reader and a writer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's huge that, uh, you know, it came to me late in life. I wish I understood that when I was much younger. Uh, no, I don't really, because I couldn't <laughs> write the way I do if, if I hadn't been through my life. Yes. So, uh, you know, it, everything happens at the right time for a reason, I think. Um, and although it was very bruising to nearly make it and then not make it, uh, it did give me a way forward. And I was I was grateful for that. Uh, eventually. <laughs> now I am. Now I am. And no, it's so true. And it's obviously such a life passion of yours to have that happen and then to think, right, okay, now what do I need to do to make that better? Because that's such a hard thing to do, I think, sometimes yeah. to go, okay, right, I need to sometimes you can't pinpoint exactly what you need to do and and it's no. easier to, you know, just be like, oh, admit defeat and just be like, all oh, right, okay, I'm just going to leave it now. Maybe it's not for me. Um, it's great that you went on that full arc and that journey as well to <laughs> sort of, yeah, it's great. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, I do think, yeah, that, you know, you, what you've, you've nailed it there exactly because you can't actually do it on your own. And mm-hmm. any writer, I think, that I've ever heard speak will uh, say the same thing. It, writing, despite the fact that people have this idea that you lock yourself in a room somewhere and, and just do it on your own it's not how it happens you, yeah. you might do that for a scene or two but but it's all about the reader and the only way to find out what the reader thinks of it is to give it to people to read mm. yes and yeah. ask for their opinions and oh boy that is scary <laughs> big <laughs> scary stuff yeah. but it it's the only way um, and you need the right people because you know you give it to your best friend and your best friend might say oh it's lovely it's wonderful you've got very polite friends at least my friends might be a bit ruder all right i'm I'm pretending i'm pretending (laughs) (laughs) that they might they might say all sorts of things about it but what they can't usually do is say how it could be better which bits work and why why they don't work um they can't pick it apart for you um but if you have other writer friends then that is when it really really helps because you you can see and and it's very difficult in your own writing to see the flaws but we recognize our own flaws in other people's writing it's a really weird thing but we oh, all yeah. do it immediately <laughs> yes <laughs> yes and then you're really embarrassed and you you have to say oh i'm really sorry but you know i think it's gone <laughs> like this and and you can almost hear the wheels go around and say well you do it all the time yeah exactly. i know i know and isn't it awful so please do call me out on it when i do but it's it it's very because, healthy um, i find that exercise because when you do spot you spot something that's wrong in someone else's, uh, like someone in my writing group, I'll spot something that's wrong in their work. Yeah. And then, and then I'll think about it and think, oh my goodness, I've done mm. that a hundred times in my novel. Yeah. <laughs> I should really do my, really do my yeah. own again, take my own advice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you, I, you wouldn't spot it unless you saw someone else doing it. No, it has to come from outside, doesn't it? it mm. It's you. You always think you can analyse your own your own uh, faults, but you can't. You really no. do need people to point them out. But oh boy, doesn't it hurt? Doesn't it hurt? Yes, it can. It can hurt. Yeah, but yeah. It, can, it can also be very validating. Uh, yeah, and and obviously it's one of the most helpful helpful things that you can do 
you know getting that feedback off people off of your peers people that you know you mutual respect is required there but and I think that's what takes the hurt out of it is yeah. the mutual respect if, if a writer that I really respect um, and who you know I'm very blessed to have a, a, a sort of small group uh, of writers that I work with and if, if one of them says to me that this this isn't working and this is why and this is what you're doing I will take that on board as being a criticism which is totally constructive mm. because yeah. their only agenda is to make my work better yeah. um, and and I do the same for them and because there is respect there you know people aren't just you know making it up trying to be hurtful or whatever or even just trying to please which of course is is equally you know damning but but they're giving you an honest view um and and an honest idea of of how you can make something better and you might not agree with them you don't have to agree with everything yeah because sometimes you can think well yes you find this character prickly and unlikable good i wanted them to be prickly and unlikable <laughs> that's a good thing uh, you know yes. it's not about liking it it's about whether it works as a piece of writing um mm. and that i think is something you need people that you trust and who trust you to exchange views on and and that is you know ultimately the only way to get better um, mm -hmm. because the, the reader is is the is king or queen or <laughs> yeah, other pronoun yeah. of choice whichever you like <laughs> yeah and, and, and that relationship uh especially in you know more recently as, as you said you used to be able to go direct to publishers nowadays you mm. very much need an agent for most of those interactions especially the big publishers mm. that's a relationship that a lot of people have with their agents now the agents are also editors yeah. but you you don't have an agent is that right i don't uh, i'm i'm very very lucky in that i am with a small independent publisher hobet books yeah. who were very new when i discovered them and submitted my manuscript and i was one of the first um people that they took on um, there's a sort of small group. They've taken on a lot more sense, I have to they say. Have, yeah. They are. They are really, you know, fast. they're growing very, very fast. It's wonderful. Um, but they are amazing. Um, and, and, you know, they are great to work with. Uh, but they don't offer the same editing service in themselves that uh, an agent would do these days. Yeah, uh, okay. But but they do um, when you are you know, as far along as, as you think you can be with with your draft, uh, that's when they put in professional editing services to work with you. Okay. Uh, and that helps enormously. Uh, but it is a different relationship. Um, but most publishers, um, I gather from other writer friends who are with different publishers, um, you know, you don't have an awful lot to, to of input um, from them. Yeah. It's mainly the agent that you work with. Uh, so Hobet books are, are very different in that respect. Um, but because I'm fortunate in having this sort of group of, of writers that I work with anyway, I kind of feel that I have that already. Um, and then a professional editor who doesn't know my work as well, obviously steps in and sees things with total clarity coming at it absolutely new. Mm. And, and that is a very interesting process. I, with Sleeping Dogs, um, she picked up um, so many things that really others had sort of accepted as being part of my world. And she, she was quite challenging. You know, why is this there? And, and why, is, why does that happen? And if that happens, why doesn't that happen there? Right. And she was really spot on. Um, so there was a lot of, lot of good, uh, good work with that um, and a lot of changes that I put in afterwards. 
Um, but I did try to get an agent um, early on before Hovec were in business. Sorry, Hovec. Yeah. I would have come to you first, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I probably would, actually, because they're so much fun. Uh, but I, uh, I did try um, to get an agent, and I came close. But agents, they have limited time, and they can only take on so many writers. Yeah. And although, you know, it was a near miss, um, which is lovely because it, it does tell you you have something, mm. um, but it wasn't quite enough. And I don't know now whether that was perhaps a good thing for me because I've still kind of got all that freedom to do what I want yeah. with my characters. Um, I do have uh, friends who work closely with agents and they've done um quite a lot of changes you know with discussion and and changing things and I, I it can be good but it can draw you away sometimes from where you wanted to be uh, and it's a commercial d- decision I mean I totally understand that uh, yeah. but there is a lot of advantage in being independent and having the, um, the the freedom to to write things the way you want to write them and then you make them as good as you can technically but not have to change too much in your characters um i mean yeah it, it's difficult they're, they're different things i think but publishing is just such a wonderful uh place to be at the moment because yeah. it's all changing it's all changing and and that's so exciting um, and changed from when you um submitted to publishers before or, yeah. or since you started writing yeah, it, it's changed enormously. I mean, the the idea of you know most sales being uh, ebook sales was was not. I mean, the ebooks were tiny little things that nobody really cared about then. Yeah. Um, and and you know when I started writing, they didn't exist. So whole new technology. Yeah. But but now, I mean, where do most people get their reads? Especially avid readers. You know, readers who get through two, three, four books a week. Yeah, uh, yeah. There are a lot of them out there, um, and and it's wonderful. I mean, it's opened <laughs> reading to to so many more people because it's expensive to buy books. Yeah, it's so expensive, mm-hmm. and and libraries are being cut, and and opportunities for for browsing and just taking a risk on a book that you don't really know are so limited unless you go into the ebook world and yeah, then yeah. you know 99p 199 299 small amounts of money to to really try something new and and did yeah. make new discoveries how exciting is that yeah. and yeah. then from the publishing point of view as well you you can now get online only publishing deals where they, yes. you know, they don't publish a physical book yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's a lot of that out there and and I can see that that's going to be you know the major major thing in publishing for many years to come yeah. and of course audio now is such a big thing as well um so um I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to say but um <laughs> I I hope let's just say I hope that Sleeping Dogs will be out in audio um in the not too distant future so that's that's exciting you've got that you've got that first I might have to check with Hoback and get you to cut that bit (laughs) (laughs) I will I will I'll let you know (laughs) um no that's great talking about you've 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 shared so much of your experience and you've been in and around this industry uh, uh, especially involved with storytelling, Stella. I can't speak today. Especially, <laughs> especially involved in storytelling is what I was trying to say. Uh, for such a long time, what advice would you give yourself 
back when you first started writing stories or back when you first thought, I'm going to put this story out there and try and get a publishing deal? Oh, I think I would say be brave. Yeah. Be brave. Two, two elements to that. One is write what you want to write. Um, and it it's no good trying to follow the market and think, will this sell? You have to write what's inside you. Be true to what you want to write. Yeah. So that's the first thing. And secondly, I would say you oh, – my mind's gone completely blank. You're going to cut this bit, right? It had to happen at some point today. <laughs> um, yes, so write what you want to write, absolutely. Uh, yes, be brave and be really brave and uh, share what you write with other people. Don't keep it to yourself in a drawer um, and don't let it see, not letting it see the light of day because it needs to breathe the air and it needs to be read uh, and scary as that is it's the only way you'll know whether you've got anything um, yeah. and if everybody's got something you know whether it's their life story whether it's a piece of poetry whether it's uh, an article or whether it's a piece of fiction short fiction flash fiction or a whole novel you know it could be anything everybody's got something you've all got something to say so don't be afraid to to put that out there for people to look at because it is exposing your soul um, and that is a big scary thing but it's also liberating yeah. and, and wonderful wonderful well that's great I mean that that rolls us really nicely on to I feel our last question of the night Jamie the oh, night I say, or the day or whenever <sighs> we hold this um, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah the question is if you were on a desert island and you could only bring one book of choice. What would that book be and why? Oh, I love this question. Oh, <laughs> wow. Usually it, everyone hates it. No, it, it kept it. me awake nights, but I loved this oh. question. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm going to tell you what I came to in the end, um, and I'll tell you why. And I'm going to cheat because I, I know some other people have, so I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to cheat <laughs> a little bit if, if I'm allowed. Yeah, words got out. Um, so I, I would like the box set. And not only that, but I want the one that hasn't been written yet. Oh. Be because I want the whole set of Game of Thrones. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, you obviously go, yeah, I get that. That's fine. But the reason for me is because it's got every crime you can ever think, ever think of. It's got every character you can ever think of. It has no problem about killing off the main characters just when you think yeah. they're going to go on forever. It yeah. is unexpected. It's whole world. It's everything everything and I could reread it uh every every well I could just reread it over and over but I want the last one yes I am heartbroken yeah, yeah. heartbroken that's a good cheat because you've got a lot of books that you've read already and then you also have <laughs> got the book that doesn't exist yet so yeah you'll get, you'll get something old something new <laughs> oh it's a, it's a good cheat it's a good cheat <laughs> um, Game of Thrones is great it's he he's so good at just throwing you off just yeah. as just as you think you've got a hold on what's going to happen no yeah done <laughs> 
Yeah, that, that's that's what I love. The unexpected just absolutely does it for me. Uh, and there's bits of it which are way more brutal than I would like to read normally. But <laughs> but it is all so credible uh, yes. and in such 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 colour and such depth. And before it was made into you know TV, mm-hmm. uh, I had read uh, read it and just I was blown away by it. Absolutely yeah, fabulous. It's, it is brilliant. So, yeah, and yeah. there's so much more in the books that they obviously so didn't, they couldn't cover on television because the medium doesn't really allow. No, exactly. But, yeah, it would be the longest more. TV program in the world. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, it would be. Well, thank you so much, Wendy. Thank you so much for joining us. On the show, oh, Wendy. Yeah. It has been my. It has been my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Uh, it's lovely to talk to you. And I am always happy to talk about books. I love books. I love writing. And just to everybody who listens to this, you know, just just do it. Just go out yes. there and do it and enjoy just it. Just do it. Just do it. Thank you so much, Wendy. Thank you for sharing your experience with us. Uh, for everyone listening, to find out more about Wendy and her current and future works, you can follow her on Twitter at Wendy at the Sea, or you can look her up on her website, www.wendyturbin.com. And to make sure that you don't miss an episode of the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK and on Instagram, which is at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you next time. Bye.